Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. All right, good morning, Grace Church. It's great to be here with you all week after Easter. Wow. I pray you've all had just an incredible, incredible week as I have. If you will, please go ahead and turn your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 12. We're going to take a look at it on the screen here behind me in a moment, but let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to get together, worship you in a free country. And thank you for the word of the Lord that just always hits the mark. God, we pray that you would prepare our hearts and our minds today to receive the word. And it would be planted in good soil. And it would grow up to be fruitful. That we may multiply your goodness, God, in this earth. That you may be glorified in and through our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Acts chapter 12 We're going to look at verse 1 through 3, but I'm going to really focus on verse 4 this morning. It says this, about that time Herod, the king, had laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him. And so what we see is we see a lot going on here that we're going to try to unpack here. Last week, we talked about Jesus's life and um, all the way up to the cross and um, his burial and his resurrection. And how many of you know that all of these points are central to our faith. Like if Jesus had just died, but he um, he didn't raise again to newness of life, then there would not be salvation for us today. And so, so we love the work of the cross, and we love the idea that death couldn't hold him down. But today I want to approach this message just a little bit differently. Today what I want to do is I want to look at the Easter story from a different angle. <clears throat> today the title of my message is Beyond the Tomb. So Jesus had been crucified. He had, just, he had uh, been raised from the dead and he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And Herod, what we need to know is, is King Herod was on a mission to destroy any of the apostles and all of the leadership of the church. We just read how he had already beheaded James. He had arrested Peter. And the truth was, is he was wanting to do the same to Peter. He was going to remove Peter's head from his shoulders, from his body. But Herod was facing a problem. And the problem was this. The problem was that Passover, or what we would call Easter, was approaching. And even Herod, in his wisdom, he thought that this is not going to be good for me to be killing these apostles, these church leaders, during such a time of, an, uh, of, of, of festivities or, or celebration. And so his approach or his response was is to put the killing on pause. Somebody say on pause. He said, listen, I'm going to let them go to their temple. I'm going to let them sing their songs. And I'm going to let them go ahead and, and, and do their rituals and their activities. And then as soon as, as soon as Passover is finished, then we'll get back to business as usual. We'll get back to killing the rest of them as usual. And so... I want us to recognize before I go any further that the devil is a liar and a destroyer. I want you to know this morning, and in fact, some of you already know without me having to say anything, because you've experienced firsthand, you know, some of the devil's destruction. Some of you have lost loved ones, and and you would say that was because of the work of the enemy 
in, in this person's life. Some of you have been robbed and stolen from yourself. You know, maybe, maybe you've been bound by addiction or, or maybe you've gone through a divorce or two or maybe even three divorces and you're like, you know what, I can, I can specifically um, tie these happenings in my life to the enemy, you know, out to kill, steal, and destroy. Let me just remind you real quick because we live in an area where a lot of people don't even believe that there is a devil, that the devil is just, you know, the, the worst you you can be. Like, you're, you're the devil all by yourself. And I'm just telling you this, that while there might be some truth in that for all of us, like, like and we, we can be our worst enemy, I want you to realize that there is an advert, there is a devil, there is a Satan that is out to kill, steal, and destroy you. And there is nothing good that he has on his mind whenever it comes to you. In fact, all good things come from God. There is no good outside of God. And the devil, his number one intention is to destroy you and to destroy everything that can be deemed good. And so he's a liar. Who said that? That was good right there. All right. Boo. All right. (laughs) I want you to know that even though the devil has plans... God is an interrupter. He can interrupt, come on, Satan's bad intentions for your life. See, our God causes the devil's dreams about you to become nightmares. That's the kind of God that we serve. The devil, I believe, thinks about you often, being a Christian or or just being somebody that Jesus has given his life for. I believe that that, that he is always scheming and he's always looking at new ways to hurt your family, to, 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 to damage your health. Come on, he is absolutely after your children, I can guarantee you that. But God is an interrupter. See, Herod killed James. He had already removed his head from his body. He had arrested Peter and his intentions were to do the same, but God interrupted his bad intentions. And I'm just telling you this, that God will interrupt the devil's bad intentions for your life as well. And that is wonderful news. It's interesting. I've been pastoring now. I don't, I, I don't know how this is possible, but I've been pastoring now for going on 20 years, 20 years, six to seven years in the, in the youth ministry and then 13 years here at Grace Church. I just don't feel like I sh- I'm old enough to have been pastoring for, you know, for 20 years. But it's true. And one thing I can tell you is, is that Easter is always a remarkable time. It's always an incredible, powerful time. But I'll tell you this, that this Easter at this church is the, is the, 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 the largest reach um, we, we've been able to minister to more people this year than we ever have in the past. And I will say this, since I've been a Christian, I've not been a part of a church that has reached as many people as we have reached this year. Now listen, it's not about, it's not about beating our chest. Boy, didn't we do such a good job. This is all glory to God. But this last Sunday... We had 850 people, 850 people in service with us on Sunday, and it was just incredible. In fact, I walked out here first service, and I was thinking, oh my goodness, what a strange Sunday. Everybody came to first service, and nobody's going to come to second service, and then then second service was was completely even more filled up than first service, and so it it was very, very cool. But leading up to even Easter Sunday, we had a week long, just a, a, a time where we, where we were able to serve the people of this community and take them through the last sacrifice drama. Such a powerful display of God's love. Over 800 or close to 800 people came to that. And then, and then come on, put your hands together for all of the... All of the actors, all of the support staff, wow, wow, wow. You know, a production like that just doesn't happen. I mean, you're talking hundreds of hours of people 
studying their lines and, and getting into character and, and then all of the lighting. I just, I was just so, I was just like, if you think about all that goes into something like that, I mean, we will do anything to share the gospel, but I'm telling you, there was a lot of just hard work and creativity and people were so excellent. Thank you. Thank you for serving our community so well. People that would never go into a church for, for a Sunday service, man, they came to that drama and they got all the church that they needed because the complete story was told. Amen? So put your hands together one more time for those folks. Wow. And then Saturday, I, who knows, because little people are hard to count, right? But I guarantee you, we had six to 900 little people running around here and and it was so cool. We gave away 24 bicycles, smiles on kids' faces. Next year, it's already been like we're all about putting numbers out, so we got to step up to the occasion. Next year, we're going to have 60 bicycles. I believe it's possible one day we won't even have to look for an egg. Every kid is going to get a bicycle. Wait a second. Let's not get crazy here. But what a fabulous time of just serving people free breakfast. And my wife and I, we went home after Saturday and we were just like, we just had a conversation and we were just like, that was so fun. It was just so fun just visiting with people and the food was great. George, thank you for, and I know you had a small army of people cooking and people just showed up. That's what happens at this church is people just show up and they just start going to work, and it was just awesome. But my wife and I, we were just like, wow, that was fun. I like to have fun, don't you? Like, I like to, I like to have fun, but I want you to know that it's more than, it's more than fun. We're going to dive into it. But this is why I said all that just to say this. In 20 years, I've realized one thing, that sometimes people come for Easter. They come for the celebration and they have full intentions of going back to the lives that they were living before they came. See, I fully and firmly believe that people came, you know what I mean, to Grace Church. 850 people showed up. And there's a lot of different reasons why you showed up. Some of you, because our church is so good at putting the pressure on people to come. And I want you to know, if you only came once, that's okay. But I want you to know that God's got something more for you. But our, we, we challenge our church. Listen, if people are going to come to church on Easter and Christmas, there's no reason why they shouldn't come to Grace Church on Easter and Christmas because we're going to serve it up and we're going to believe that God is going to show up. Amen? So some of you have been nagged so much, you were just like, okay, I'll go. You broke under the pressure. You literally broke under the breath. I'll go just for the possibility. You know, I wouldn't put it past some families in this church to say, listen, we're going to have big Easter Sunday dinner at my house, but you got to have a ticket to come to dinner. And the ticket is found at Grace Church on Sunday morning. And if you want to come and eat, then come to church. And so you came. You wanted peace throughout the rest of the day, so you came. And, and we already talked about how the devil has a plan for you, right? His plan is to kill, steal, and destroy. And, and we talked about maybe some of your plans. You're like, listen, I'm gonna go, but I have no expectation of anything happening. I'm gonna go, and then I'm gonna return back to the lifestyle that I was living even as early as last night, which was Saturday night. But you came Sunday morning, and one thing that you weren't counting on is that Jesus was also going to show up on Sunday morning. And you weren't counting on the idea that you were going to have an experience, a powerful experience. You were going to be challenged. He was going to show himself to you. And that disrupted everything because you were fully intended on going back to the life that you were living prior to coming to church. But now you're messed up. 
You still have the desire to go back, but now you're messed up. There's something that's just kind of holding you back from diving back in headlong. Come on to the lifestyle, maybe the sins that you were involved in because Jesus showed up. You encounter Jesus now. It's difficult. Or you, you would say, I cannot go back. And, and I want you to know that if that's you, you're in good company because that's happened to many of us here today. You know what I call this? I call it a divine disruption. You had your plans. The devil has his plans. But Jesus comes along and trumps all the plans. And he says, I've got a plan that's most important for your life. In fact, I was thinking about this, that if the devil kept a calendar... How many of you are calendar keepers here? Like, you know what's going to happen November 7th in 2025 already. You know what's going to happen. So if the devil was a keeper of a calendar, see, after this Sunday, he's got to go back and he's got to start erasing some things, some plans that he had for your life. Because he was planning on you and your wife getting into one of the biggest fights on Monday, and he was going to be right in the middle of it, but he had to erase that. Why? Because you made the decision not to go back. He, he had a plan. He had a plan, come on, to send you through a health ringer, but he had to go back and he had to X that plan out because you chose not to go back. He had a plan because he had full range on your children. What I mean by this is that when you're in the Lord, you're under an umbrella of some covering. Like you get some benefits that people that are outside of the Lord have no covenant with Jesus. You're just out there for the enemy just to mess with you anytime that he wants. But sometimes when you're in the Lord, God protects you from certain things. And he had some bad ideas, some bad intentions for your children maybe even this week, but he had to erase those plans because you chose not to go back, but you chose to yield and surrender to him. See, the Bible records that though Herod had some bad intentions for Peter, he was going to remove his head. He was going to take him before the people, and he knew what that was going to look like. Though he had some bad intentions, come on, Peter was set free. Listen, the church has to become more than a one-day celebration. The, the church has to become more than a moment of motivation. The church has to become more than, than some fun Easter egg hunts and, 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 and some parties. And, some, and I love a good party, but the church has to become more than just a moment. You see, it's our aim that matters. It's what we do when we come to the cross of Jesus Christ. And every single one of us has to. You can't live through your grandma's faith. You can't live through your brother's faith or your sister's faith. You have to personally come to the cross. And let me tell you what happens when you come to the cross of Jesus Christ. He reveals himself to you and he said, listen, you've heard the story that I was beaten and bruised and whipped. And that I laid down my life and I had nails driven through my hands and feet. And that I hung there and I died on that cross. The only person, whoever has or whoever will, will live the perfect sinless life. I died so that you can live. Not, not for the multitudes to live, but what he does is he introduces himself to you at the cross. And he said, I did it for you. I did it for you personally. I left the 99 and I came after the one. You see, it's our aim that matters when we come to this place of where God's revealed himself. We sat at the table and he shows us his love for us. He shows us that he's got a better life for us. It's our aim from that point on that matters most. What do you do with the cross? What do you do with the revelation of Jesus Christ? See, preaching should be more than just entertaining, right? 
It should, it should be life rearranging. Like it should, when we hear a powerful word, it should cause us to say, you know what? This part of my life is a little bit out of order. I need to take this to the Lord. I need to trust the Lord and I need to get it in order. We live in a, in a time, and I don't know if it's always been like this, but we live in a time where people say, it's okay for me, you know what I mean, to, to have this area of my life, like I give God 75% of my life, but this 25, I'm just going to kind of keep it, I'm going to keep it over here and God will understand. Though you're never going to be perfect, the mindset is not okay. You cannot, you cannot keep God out of certain parts of your life, but yet say, I want all of you in this area of my life. He wants a full, surrendered life. He wants all of your life, and he wants you to trust him with every aspect of your life. The church should be more than gathering and grinning. The encouragement that you receive in church should keep you from sinning. It should keep you from, from, from going and continuing on and maybe, maybe a darkness that you find yourself in that you've been in for a long period of time. See, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that is able to bring new life to your family. It's able to bring new life, check this out, to your emotions. Like some of you have been disturbed. You've been dealing with heaviness and darkness for a long period of time, and, and emotion, emotions have been like a roller coaster. You're good for a moment, but who knows what the next moment is going to be like. See, the power of God in your life is able to stabilize, to, 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 to get set in the right place, in the, in the right way. And it's able to even touch things like your finances. Some of you came in here today with inflation the way that it is, and, and, and the cost of living. I've met a few people recently that they've said, listen, we're on a shoestring budget, meaning, you know what I mean? Like, we're, we've been able to make things happen, but, but with the disruptions that we find in our economy, it's making it tougher and tougher and tougher. Great opportunity for the church, right, to step up. But it's tough, and I'm telling you this, that God can take the little and he can make it work. That's the kind of God that we serve. But check this out, Ezekiel chapter 33 and verse 32, on the latter half of it, he's talking to Israel. But I want you to know this, that it applies to us today. He said this, and it's so profound, they hear my words, but they will not do them. They hear my words, but they will not do them. Let me say it one more time. They hear my words, but they will not do them. I think this is a good picture of some people in our, in our world today. They hear the word, but they will not do them. See, the singing is important. I love our worship, how it prepares our hearts and our minds. We enter into the presence of, of, of the Lord, and the preaching is as important Right, I, I've never understood churches. They just get together and they sing all the time, and there's no there's no word going out. That dis, that disturbs me, messes me up a little bit. I don't like it. But let me tell you that there's something more important. And you're thinking blasphemy. You better be careful what you're gonna say next. There's something more than those songs that we sing and the word that we speak. I can't believe he said that. Let me tell you what's more important, your response to it. See, Jesus didn't die on a cross. He didn't live his life. He, he didn't minister for those three years. He didn't die and, and be buried and raise again and then give us the promise of the Holy Spirit just so you could have a few goosebumps every week. Like he did all of this so that your life could be changed and radically transformed. He wanted to redeem us. He wanted to, he wanted to reconcile us who were in broken relationship with the Father. He wanted to do that through the cross. And I'm telling you this, that if the worship that you, that you are a part of in this church and the word that you hear in this church, if it doesn't change your aim, 
Keep coming because it will. I promise you it will. The word is promised to go out and not return. Amen? See, there's no sense in an intervention. They used to have this show a long time ago. I, can't, I think it was even called Intervention. But if somebody was addicted to drugs or alcohol or, or they, had, they had any kind of a, a disruption in their life that was destroying their life and destroying the rest of the family's life, what they would do is they would bring everybody together and they would say, Listen, this is not only hurting you, it's hurting us too. And they would say, listen, we want you to know that though you may feel like you're alone, you're not alone. You've got all of us in this room. We are But the idea of an intervention is a life change. See, there's no reason for an intervention if a life isn't going to be changed. And I want you to know this. This is true of some of you here today, some of you online. Like, this is a very important decision that you're about ready to make because your family is hanging in the balance. Your family may not make it through if you make the wrong decision. Right? Definitely eternity is in the balance. And let me just ask you a simple question. Is there anything more important than where you're going to spend eternity? See, this is a big, big deal because, once again, there are a lot of people that don't believe that there is a devil. They don't believe that there's Satan. And there's a lot of people that don't believe that there's a hell. I have no idea how you can read the Bible without coming to the conclusion that there is a real place called hell, and it matters how you live your life, right? So your eternity is in the balance. There are lives at stake. Some of the greatest changes take place in a, in, a, in a person's life the first three years that they receive Jesus Christ. You know when somebody comes to the Lord and, and, uh, and, and they're just like, man, I want to walk with God. One of the things that we ask them to do is to change their social circles. Come on, this is obvious, right? You cannot continue. It would be so foolish for me when God brought me out of, out of partying and alcoholism and things like that. How foolish would it be for me to the very next day ring up all my buddies and say, hey, listen, guys, let's go out. We're going to have a great time. Now, listen, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to drink. I'm just going to hang. Like, that wouldn't have happened. What would have happened is I would have been right back doing the same thing that God just delivered me out of. So, so some of you, your biggest struggle, I'm just ministering to somebody here right now, your biggest struggle, you received Jesus, but you haven't changed your social circle. You got to change it because it's going to be a struggle. And I'm not saying you have to change it forever, but change it until you get some legs under you. You know what I mean? Tell your, your walk with God is not like a brand new horse that's just been born. You know what I'm saying? You ever seen that? That is the cutest thing. They just, they call it getting your legs, right? Get your legs and then maybe you can go back into some of those circles. But we tell them to change their lifestyle, what they do with their time and even coach them on how to spend their money, right? Being responsible, to the seasoned saint is the person I want to talk to just for a minute. When was the last time that you did something? When was the last time that you came to a service? When was the last time that you added something to your conviction list? Because the other side of this is we can just walk with God for so long and we've been saved for so long that we stop listening to the same Holy Spirit that revealed that God's got a plan for your life. Right? We just kind of shut everything out. And when was the last time that you came and you're just like, you know what? My life is going to be different because of that rhema word of God, that right now word of God, where God just revealed this thing to me. See, there are some people that faithfully come, but they're more looking for a charge than they are a change. And let me just tell you, one of the biggest enemies in the church today are people searching for a feeling, and churches have gotten really, really good at, at, at playing on people's emotions. They're looking for the next charge. What do I mean by that? Ooh, that made me, ooh, yeah, I like that. Ooh, I feel, I'm gonna, 
post on Facebook or Instagram or, or I'm going to take that, that power statement or, or man, I got goosebumps in worship. And let me just tell you, I love goosebumps in worship. I love it when the Lord reveals. But this is the deal is, is we got a, uh, churches in the United States and probably around the world that are filled with people not looking to change, but looking for the next charge, looking for the next, ooh, did you feel that? Whoa, that was so, ha, that was, ha, that was so powerful. And I'm telling you this, that there should absolutely be changes that are taking place. There should be, that like you should be able to see somebody's life before Jesus and their marriage before Jesus and their family before Jesus and their lifestyle before Jesus and what they do with their time before Jesus and how they spend their money before Jesus and then look and see there's a radical difference after Jesus or at least a movement to a radical change after Jesus. This is one of the reasons why I love our church so much is because so many people are being baptized. Do you realize that there are churches that have been around for a long time that, 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 that baptism is really kind of a strange idea? The reaching, the sharing of the gospel, a transformed, changed life is kind of a strange deal. Wow, we got a baptism today? Wow! And that should be something that is evident in every single church on a regular basis, right? So I got to move on. Acts chapter 3, there's a lame man that, was, uh, that went to the temple, and he was a beggar. You can read this for yourself. But he was out there shaking a cup. He was, he was, he was you know, alms for the poor. He was, he was seeking and searching people to donate and uh, alms for the poor, alms for the poor, uh, silly joke I heard a while ago. He came looking for alms, and God gave him legs. But um, terrible joke, I know. But the guy had been lame since birth, never walked in his life, and, and he was looking for a little bit of change, but God gave him legs, and he literally elevated, and he stood up, and he walked for the first time as the power of God came in his life. But this is a lot of how we are. We come to church looking for one thing, but God gives us the best thing. We come looking for something, but he gives us completely something different, but it's the very thing that we, that we need. We need transformation we need forgiveness. Like what we need is we need, to, we need to get to the place where our yeses are yeses and our noes are noes. There's so much slightiness in the body of Christ today. Sometimes if it's going to, if it's going to eliminate a long conversation, we'll make up a story. We'll give kind of a half truth. And I'm just saying, listen, as believers, we should say, no, this is what it is. Our yeses are yeses and our noes are noes. See, we're the beggar in this story, and my question is this. What kind of pain did you bring in with you today? What kind, of, what kind of struggles are you dealing with? What did you bring into this place? Because the, the choice is on the table. You can marinate in it, which is sometimes people do, right? God says, listen, I've come to take that thing from you. Cast it upon me. I'll take it. You weren't ever created to carry it. Give it to me. But sometimes people choose to marinate in their pain. They choose to marinate in their shortcoming. They marinate in their sin. You can choose to marinate or you can choose to elevate. And this lame beggar elevated for the first time in his life. He had either been picked up and carried by people or he, he scooted himself across the ground every single place. And he came looking for one thing, but God gave him something Completely different. Genesis chapter 41. I ain't got time to give you all the details, but, but Pharaoh has a dream. He has this vision, and nobody can tell him what the vision means. Word gets out that Joseph is in prison. He had thrown Joseph into prison. This guy interprets dreams, and so he pulls him out of prison, and he's telling Joseph the the, the, the vision that he had. And this is the vision, just real quick. I'm going to do it terrible, but just listen. 
The vision was there were seven cows that, that came forth, and all of these cows were, man, they were thick cows. How many of you like some good beef, right? These cows were thick, and they were, they were sleek. They were good-looking, no blemishes, right? They were, they were big, meaty, fat cows. And then seven other cows came following, and these seven cows were skinny. They were scrawny, and they were just dilapidated. And they just looked ill, and they were ugly cows. Pharaoh's dream was this, that the latter seven cows ate the, the previous seven cows, that reminds me of like the Discovery Channel. You ever watch like the big snakes, like the anaconda? Anaconda is a huge snake stretched all the way across this whole building, I'm sure of it. And they catch a deer, a deer, a snake catches a deer and eats the deer. And so if you're just like trailing the snake from his head, I don't like snakes, by the way. But if you're trailing the snake from its head, you're like, that looks like a normal snake. It's a big snake, but a normal one. And then all of a sudden, you get down to where the deer is at in the snake. You're thinking, man, this is going to be a tough digestive process for this snake. He's got a deer, and the, the deer is like huge in the snake. And so I'm thinking, how do seven real thin skinny cows like eat Real big fat cows. Like, God, that's impossible. But it's a vision, right? I'm thinking this is going to look silly. Are these cows all stretched out? But let me tell you what the Bible says about this very vision. The Bible says that after those scrawny little skinny cows had eaten those big fat cows, they were still lean, unhealthy, and ugly. And I'm just saying that this is a lot of the way that the church is today. Sometimes people will come into the house of the Lord, and boy, they'll sit at the, at the king's table. They'll, they'll sit at the, at the table of Jesus, and they, and they will be told about the goodness of God, the forgiveness of sins that's available to them, the redemption of Jesus, how God gave his life Gave this, the, his only begotten son so that if we would believe in him, that we could live eternally and everlasting. And so we come up to the table and, and we're fed a T-bone steak. Big old fat, juicy T-bone steak. Wonderful. We come into the presence of the Lord in and through worship. And, and we feel God. We Like, man, God was there. And then all of the sudden, we turn around, service is over, we give some high fives and some handshakes, and we leave emaciated. We leave anorexic. We leave still broken. We still leave in pain. We still leave wounded. We still leave with unforgiveness in our hearts. Come on, we leave with bitterness and we're angry. Right? And so we've sat at the king's table and we've, we've, we've been given everything that he has to give, but we leave absolutely unchanged. It's no different than what Ezekiel says. I've given them my word, but they have not listened to it. It's the same way. Jesus didn't give his life for a weekend of egg hunts and smiles. And there's nothing wrong with egg hunts and smiles. We love them. We're always going to have them. We're always going to have a time of celebration. But that's not the reason why he died and bled out on a cross. So that we could just have a moment of motivation. He gave it to forgive our sins. So that we could enter into newness of life and experience redemption and freedom. I think it's interesting. Jesus died. He was buried, rose again presented himself for a short period of time, and then he's, he's getting ready to ascend to the Father, and he says, listen, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise that I'm, that I'm, that I'm sending you. And it's the promise of the Holy Spirit. This is all found in Acts chapter 2. And so they go, and they're waiting. There's only 120 people out of probably the 500 that were there that made the journey. But I think it's interesting, on the day of Pentecost... It's defined by two of nature's strongest elements. And these, these elements are wind and fire. 
Wind rearranges things. If you ever spend any time in the desert, I've spent some time down in 29 Palms, California, doing desert training in the United States Marine Corps. And let me just tell you, I don't like that place. But wind will actually change the topography. Like you'll have these little ridges and ripples. Next thing you know, you'll have a whole mound of sound. Next thing you know, you'll have nothing. It's just absolutely flat because wind rearranges things. And fire redefines things. It's crazy. Sometimes when a building will burn down, it's an old building in a city or a town. It's been there forever, but it burns all the way down to the ground. And the next thing you know, what happens is there's a brand new building, even a better building, a bigger building, a more incredible building that comes up in its place. So fire has the the ability to do that. In Acts chapter 2, it says the mighty wind blew into the upper room and then set fire on each of them. I'm telling you this, that some of the things that you're dealing with today, you cannot change yourself. You cannot change by yourself. You hate this thing about you. You despise this thing. You wish you had freedom and liberty from it, but you can't do it by yourself. The only way that you're going to have the liberty and freedom that you, that you deserve and God desires for you is in and through the power of the Holy Ghost. Like you need the spirit of God in your life. You need the spirit. And he says, listen, I've come to get you freedom and to, and to give you the abundant life. See, you know what's wrong. You know what the sin is, but you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. For some, listen, you're not going to get a second chance. It's very possible today, and this isn't to dance on your emotions, but this is the truth. How much loss have we seen in the last five years? And we never think that we're going to be the one where, where today might be my last day. And I'm certain of the people that you have lost over the last five years. They never woke up one morning saying, you know what, this is gonna be, this is gonna be my last day. I was, I was visiting with a young lady this morning and she said, you know what God's been showing me is that I have no control of anything. I said, that's a pretty good lesson. That's a pretty good lesson. I guess we can control our attitude. But outside of that, man, it's like there's a whole lot of faith and trust that just goes into, into the Lord. But I just want you to know this, that, that, that the decision of surrendering or continuing back into your old lifestyle, like it's not just big for you, it could be big for your entire family. I want to share this with you. Ezekiel, and this is my close. Somebody say amen. You've been talking a lot this morning. Ezekiel chapter 46 and verse 9, in closing it says this, When the people of the land come before the Lord at the appointed festivals. Now when it's saying festivals, it's talking about things like Passover, what we would call, what we would call Easter, and there's many others. But, but when the people come in before the Lord in, during these festivals, whoever enters by the north gate to worship... That person is to go out the south gate. And whoever enters by the south gate to come into worship is supposed to exit through the north gate. This is what it says. No one is to return through the gate by which they entered, but each is to go out the opposite gate. Now listen, this is instruction for worshipers. Is anybody here a worshiper this morning? So when we come into the house of the Lord, the Bible is just basically saying, don't exit through the same gate that you entered into. Do you get that? Are you with me on that? I had to read it a couple of times because I'm slow. But if you come in the north, exit the south. And if you come in the south, exit the north. Basically what it's saying here is that in my presence, you are forbidden to exit the same way that you came in. You're forbidden. This is the word of the Lord that says, listen, you come in here with some sort of a worldly viewpoint. I'm going to give you a new viewpoint. I'm going to give you a spiritual viewpoint. You come into the house of the Lord discouraged. I'm going to send you out another door encouraged. 
You've come in with no peace. I'm going to give you peace. You come in dead in your sins. Listen to me now. You came into this place dead in your sins. The idea is now that you've been in the presence of the Lord, now that you've been worshiping me, and you're worshiping me because of, because of my greatness, because of my holiness, because of who I am, you're worshiping me. The idea is for that to translate into the way that you exit this place and you live your life. Like, listen, check this out. Some of you have come into the house of the Lord, into the house of the Lord, into the house of the Lord with zero intention on living differently than how you entered. And the word of the Lord is saying, no more. No more. I want to change you. He's not saying stay away. He's saying, listen, it's time to trust me. It's time for me, for you to trust me enough to do the completed work of the cross. I have come that you may be set free. Amen? Amen. So this is the deal. This is the deal. This morning, if you've got sin in your life, and we all sin and fall short of the glory of God, you're not unique if you've got sin in your life, right? But you got to deal with the sin. If you need to ask God to forgive you of the sin, come on to forgive you. He says this, that I'll throw that sin as far as the east is from the west, never to be brought up against you again. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand with me right now because we're going to deal with it. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We had some that were just like, boop, boop. I don't want anybody else to know. I'm raising my hand. Anybody got sin you need dealt with this morning? Raise them up. Okay. Put them back down. Now I want to talk to somebody else. You're here and you're just like, listen, I don't even know if I'm saved. I don't know if, if God was to come back. I don't know where I'd spend eternity. Like, listen, he came and died so that you can live and you can, you can be with him in all eternity. And that starts right now. How do we do that? We believe in our heart. We confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and we will be saved. We say, Jesus Please forgive me of my sins. My life is no longer my own. It belongs to you. You direct my steps, right? Something very simple like that. And if that's you this morning, like you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time, or you need to rededicate your life this morning, I want you to go ahead and raise your hand nice and bold. Anybody? Awesome. Right here, right here, I see you. Anybody else? Oh, all over the place. Wonderful. So this is the deal. Let everybody stand. Let everybody stand. Let's celebrate. This is what we're going to do. We're just going to pray a prayer. And you need to make this prayer personal. You can say it in your own way. You can just come into agreement with it. But Lord, we thank you for today. Thank you for loving us so well. Loving us so well that you don't want us to remain in a lesser state than what you've created us to, to experience. God, please forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Heal the broken areas of my life. God, I trust you. I believe, Jesus, that you're the only begotten, the only son begotten of God. I ask you, Lord, that through the cross of Jesus Christ, where you laid down your life and you died for us, I pray, Lord, that you would not just forgive me of my sins, but you would come into my life and be the Lord of my life. I've tried to call the shots in my life, and that hasn't always worked out so great, but I trust you, Lord. Give me your Holy Spirit. Fill me up. Let me be led by your spirit, and I'll do my best, God, to go where you call me to go, to do what you call me to do, say what you call me to say. My life is not my own. I'm giving it to you right now. Save me. Lord, write my name in the Lamb's book of life that I will be with you eternally. Thank you, Lord, for that. I pray for these people that have struggled They've been battling temptation, addiction. They got messed up families. I'm asking for a move of the Holy Ghost. I pray, Lord, that, 
that things that have been upside down would be right side up and that you would be glorified. Now, somebody might be mistaken thinking that, man, I've been serving God, but I still have areas of my life that's upside down. Let me be clear. Sometimes God does a real quick miracle and everything is shiny and fine. Other times we have to contend for it every day. And I want to encourage you to fight the good fight of faith, to trust in him every day. Read your Bible. Get into his word. Talk to him. It's called prayer. Worship. Start serving. Jana was sharing with me before service today. One of the greatest things that she saw in the disciples was before Jesus and the, had gone to the cross, they were arguing about power and position. After the cross, that wasn't even a thought. All of those men were willing to die a martyr's death. They decreased so that the plan of God could increase in the earth. We're here today because of it. Lord, we thank you for saving us. We thank you, Lord, for loving us. Help us, God, just to glorify your name in how we live and use us to be reachers of men, fishers of men, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, we could do better than that. Wow. <clears throat> so listen, I want to say God bless you. Thank you so much for being here today. Jesus loves you. He will do anything for you. Trust him. Uh, be safe as you go. Enjoy some good food today. Spend some time with your family. Family is very important, and we look forward to seeing you this next week. Be praying for our Dominican Republic team. We've got 12 people that are going to the DR this week. We got a bunch of kids that we sponsor in the Dominican Republic. We're going to go hug on their necks and tell them about how Jesus loves them and but we're going to be back with you next week. Don't miss it. We've got Mission Sunday. It's going to be a powerful, powerful Sunday. We hope to see you here. God bless you all. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.